Welcome to Flip the Script, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jana Cohn. Whether you know the darkness of depression yourself or have supported someone in their pain, you've come to the right place. My mission is to empower you to take control of your mental health because nothing else in this entire world matters more. If you're listening in the midst of depression right now, I hope this show gives you assurance that you are not alone and that life doesn't have to be so hard. But you must first desire to feel better and get better. This podcast is a step in the right direction. If you're listening because you're walking alongside someone dealing with depression, thank you. You can always find me on Instagram at jana.cone and be sure you're subscribed to my email list in the show notes so you never miss an episode. Together, we can flip the script on mental health. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode one of Flip the Script podcast. Ah, here we are. I genuinely feel like this podcast has been forthcoming in a work in progress for many months now. For many reasons we will get into. And however you have landed here, I thank you for being here. I know you have a choice with your time, and there are many podcasts out there for you. So thank you for trusting me and leaning in to my voice. And today's episode, how do you begin episode one on a podcast that talks about mental health issues, and in my personal case, depression. Where is the right place to appropriately dive in? So if you are not already following me on Instagram, I would love if we would get connected. My handle is my first and last name, Jana.Cone, also in the show notes, And as I was formulating how I was going to launch this podcast, I asked, what do you want to hear about first on the pod? And the feedback gave me some incredible ideas, but the overarching theme was, how did you get to where you are today? How did you land on wanting to create and bring to the world a podcast on mental health. So that is where we are going to dive in today. And I believe it will give you some background and set the stage for what's to come in this podcast for many, many episodes in the future. So let's dive in, shall we? I am a 
35-year-old woman. I live in South Carolina. And I would describe myself as your normal, average girl next door. And I think that's important because I want you to know when you listen to this and you hear someone with a podcast talking about depression, I want you to know that I am someone who is just like you, that has suffered and has ridden emotional waves just like you. And still to this day, I have slumps of depression and I also have good days. And I do believe right now my depression is managed very, very well with the help of a psychiatrist and ketamine nasal spray, as well as a new antidepressant that's on the market called Avelity. And I'll, I'll link those or I'll put that in the show notes if you want to look it up. It's a, it's a new antidepressant on the market. It's quite incredible. And I tell you all that so that you know going into this podcast that I share from my personal experience. I am not a medical professional. I am not a licensed therapist. I am a woman who has suffered with depression for over a decade. And I have tried multiple medications. You name it, I bet I've tried it in the mental health depression category. I have tried multiple different therapy modalities. I have tried the traditional fixes for depression. And most recently, within the past six, eight months, I opened my eyes to the non-traditional methods of treatment for depression, such as microdosing with psilocybin, aka mushrooms, and IV ketamine. Those are both considered in the psychedelic category. And we're going to talk about all of that on this podcast and what that experience has been like for me. And I've got some amazing experts lined up and people like myself who have been through it to share our experience. So how I came to land on hosting a podcast on mental health, let me just tell you. So just a little background on me, just so you know who's talking to you and know where I am coming from. I was first diagnosed with depression in 2009. That is the year I graduated college. That is almost 15 years ago. That's insane to think about. And I tell you this because it was my primary care physician, Dr. Thompson. 
if you are out there and you ever hear this, I truly owe a thank you to him. And oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, we say, okay, if you have mental health issues, anxiety, depression, postpartum, depression, anxiety, anything in the mental health field, we look down upon seeing a primary care physician, or if you're postpartum, you're probably seeing your OB. We look down upon using and relying on those medical professionals for our mental health needs. When really, some of us, and I was that person, aren't even in the realm of being equipped to know, like, hey, you're actually dealing with depression or anxiety. And so I thank my primary care physician at that time for recognizing it in me. And I think he was the first doctor ever. And I was, what, 22 at the time. I think he was the first doctor that had ever sat down with me and actually wanted to know how I was doing. It was not a 10-minute checkup, well-visit, physical stamp, here's your paper, send you on your way type of visit. And that's another tangent I could go on. There's such a gap in our healthcare society in general for the the teens that turn into young adults who don't really have any major health problems are healthy but then when something comes up like where do they go you know there's internists who primarily see older patients and then there's pediatricians that see kids up to 18 but like where do the young adults go who are healthy and young So I just am grateful that I had a PCP at the time that actually cared and sat down and talked with me. And I had my physical, and then we went to talk in his office, and I had never experienced anything like that with a doctor before. And he wanted to know about me. I was a new patient. He wanted to know how I was doing. And... It all came out in that doctor's appointment. I was living in Charleston at the time and was freshly out of college, had my first job. I had graduated college, gotten a new car. I had my first apartment. I had a dog. Life was really good. All in all, I had nothing to complain about. But I remember exactly where I was driving in Charleston at the time. And I thought to myself, I am in the worst mood. And I have no flipping reason to be in such a bad mood right now. And that was a realization. That was a moment for me. And I told my doctor about that. And 
he asked, is there any history in your family of any mental illness, any depression? And I said, yes, actually, um, on my maternal grandmother's side, there has been history of depression. And that's one thing I'm very thankful about growing up. I remember my mom and my grandmother talking about it because my grandmother back in the day, and this was however long ago, when no one talked about mental health issues, like absolutely not. My grandmother actually had gotten electroshock therapy back in the day. And I just remember knowing that and always feeling like it was something that was on my radar just because it was definitely a thing genetically. So I expressed that to him and I'm sure he asked me other, you know, clinical diagnostic questions, but he determined, he said, I think that you're suffering from some depression and I was open to it and he put me on Lexapro and I was on Lexapro for I mean, gosh, four or five years. And it changed me. It made me a better woman. Young 20-year-old at the time. It made me happier. It made my mood more stable. It leveled me out, per se. If you've ever been on an antidepressant medication, you know what I mean. Like if you have ever actually been on one and needed one, you know what I mean. You know if they work. And it changed my life. I will tell you, the people that knew me in high school and college knew a version of me that was in pure survival mode. Pure survival mode. Then in college, you mask that with your social life and your partying and your drinking and your extracurricular activities. And in high school, you don't know what the heck you're doing, so you're just trying to get by. But no traumas, no emotional, mental health stuff was ever discussed in high school or college. It just was not a thing. And so I look back on my life and I think before antidepressants and after antidepressants, it changed my life for the better. And so here on this podcast, you're going to hear about all kinds of treatment modalities for depression. And I am in no position to ever say I am pro or anti one way or the other. There are people out there that are against big pharma and against 
SSRIs. And there are people out there who only believe in the healing powers of plant medicine. And I am in that happy medium. I believe there is a time and a place and a season for both. And that is where I live because I have tried them both. And I practice what I preach. I have actually lived, breathed in, breathed out those worlds. So I feel like I am in that happy medium of pro-meds if you need meds or if you want to get off the meds and explore other options, whatever floats your boat, that's your prerogative. It is your journey and it's your mental health. And so fast forward several years from when I first got on Lexapro and I was fresh out of grad school and I started a job that I absolutely hated immediately. I knew within one week of that job out of grad school, I thought, oh my God, I have made a mistake. I spent two years in school getting a master's degree in health administration, go figure, and started a desk job and was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. And so I knew pretty quickly that I had to, I was like, I, I cannot, I cannot. And also at the time I had started working out like a fiend and I, I think I just totally depleted my body and the body keeps the score. I think I had totally depleted my body, my brain, everything. And I thought, I don't like this job. What have I done? Just questioning everything. And so I took it upon myself and I thought, I think I need to see a therapist. And I remember finding, I'm sure I Googled like how to find a therapist and was trying to find one that would accept my insurance. And I think I ended up on psychologytoday.com and finding a therapist, like filtering by, you know, female in this area that, you know, and you kind of see a picture and read a little bio and you reach out. And I remember sitting in the parking lot at that job I had at the time and talking to the therapist on the phone, like a, just an intro consult and thinking, here I am sitting in my nice car at this job. It's a good job. I went to grad school. I've had all the education. Everything's going for me. And here I am again. I think I'm depressed and I'm having to talk to a therapist. And I'm 22, 23 years old at this time. Thinking, what in the hell is wrong with me? Again, here I was thinking, 
<sighs> Everyone else seems to have it all together, seemingly anyway. And no one was talking about their flipping problems. And there I was thinking, I think I need to see a therapist. And I did. And since then, I'll never forget her. Her name was Catherine. She's my first therapist ever. Ever since then, I have consistently seen a therapist in some way, shape, or form since then. We're talking over a decade of therapy, over a decade of different professionals, EMDR, talk therapy, trauma-informed therapists, like you name it, I have tried it. I've read the books. I have listened to the things, whatever. But it was the first time in my life when I saw the therapist, the very first one, that I had actually sat down with someone and held a mirror up and talked about myself and had the moments of self-reflection and had someone ask me the tough questions and had a subjective or objective third-party opinion. And I think that then... My heart and my passion was open to the mental health world because I had seen the medications and the therapies change my life. And I stuck with that therapist for a few years and went through a ton of seasons of life with her through relationships in my 20s, through moves, through different career paths. But I thoroughly and wholeheartedly believe that having a therapist or a counselor or whatever you want to call them in your corner, in your network, consistently, not just when things are shitty and not just when like you feel like you need someone, but especially when things are okay and good so that when things do seem to take a downturn, you have someone there ready and able to work with you through it. I wholeheartedly believe that if I hadn't started a care team network then, that there is no way that I would be where I am today and be able to have this greater vision 
and belief and a just strong burning passion that this subject and world of mental health has got to change. That too many people suffer in silence. Men, women, young, old, you name it. They suffer in silence and they don't get help. And things exacerbate and sometimes end really horribly and tragically because they don't know where to turn. They don't even know where to start. And so we can do our part. I'm doing my part by trying to normalize the discussion of your mental health and how you are really, really doing. And through this time period, you know, over the years, I've seen psychiatrists, you know, I've moved on from a PCP to a psychiatrist. I've done the genetic testing. I have been on the meds. I've done the therapies. I've read all the books. And I could, I could outline that whole timeline for you. That doesn't really matter to you because it's my, my journey, my timeline. What I want you to hear and what I want you to take away is that I got help. And you have got to get help. And you have got to talk to someone if you are struggling with your mental health. I do not believe, and I will shout this from the rooftops, I do not believe that you can fight your depression alone. I think it is a recipe for disaster if you try to fight your depression alone. And trust me, I have heard it. I have heard it all. I have heard my Christian friends, and I'm a Christian, I have heard my Christian friends tell me that they don't quote-unquote believe in depression or using medication, that you can give it over to God and it will go away. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe it. Because if it were that easy, if that was the cure, I think it can be part of the cure. Absolutely. Faith is huge. But I've heard it all. I had a boyfriend once who we were traveling and he went through my toiletry bag and confronted me in a restaurant over chips and queso. Um, I was looking for some Advil, which is, why are you looking for Advil in my toiletry bag anyway, dude? But I saw you travel with an arsenal of antidepressants. Like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And he went on to tell me that his 80-something-year-old mother, you know, doesn't take a pill, doesn't take a pill for anything. Like, why was I so young taking a pill? And it was just, 
probably rooted in ignorance. But when it comes from someone that's close in your life who comes to you in like an accusatory way or a demeaning way of, do you need help? Is everything okay? It just is not the vibe. And if you've ever had anything happen to you similar, you know exactly what I mean. I've had doctors that, you know, have tried to wean me off of medications at times. And sometimes I've taken their advice and sometimes I haven't. And it is just the most personal journey you can ever go on. And that's the thing is that it's a journey, unfortunately, that never ends. Even now, you know, fast forward to I'm in a season where I've done IV ketamine treatments and now I do the nasal spray and I feel like things are very well managed. I have had to admit and come to terms with the fact that your depression never goes away. You're never quite cured of it. It can be well managed. But accepting that and riding the waves when your depression takes over is key. It is just as important to be able to recognize those waves of emotions and dips. It is just as important to recognize those as it is to recognize that you're depressed in the first place. You must admit your depression, your, your mental illness, whatever it is, you have to admit it. You have to get help. And then you have to know that this is a condition that you have to live with for the rest of your life. And it sucks. That is the hardest part. And that is so grueling to know that every now and then your depression is going to rear its ugly head. And you have to know how to manage it. And the people closest in your life, your support team, your people, your safe people, have to know how to help you walk through that and manage it. And that goes back to my whole thing of not believing you can fight depression alone. I just don't believe it. And so let's fast forward a little bit to my 30s. Like I said, I'm 35 now. My 30s, I can confidently say, have been some of, not, I'm not even going to say some of, have been the best years of my life. So if you are listening and you're in your 20s, And you were like, oh, 30, 30, 30, like the 20s are your best years ever. No, they're not. They're fun. There's some good times in there for sure. 
you sometimes in your 20s you don't realize how carefree you actually are and you actually have it but your 30s are everything i believe that you really come into your own in your 30s your 20s you change and grow a lot from year to year sometimes in your 20s you're not the same person at least i wasn't but when i hit my 30s it was transformative in that I knew I was the only one that had to walk in my shoes every single day. And I was in charge of my life. And I gave less and less thought and care to what others thought of me, to what others thought about me, it's the best feeling in the world. The 30s are my favorite. And, you know, I think what is so interesting is for women, and this may be true for men, I don't know, if you're a man listening, like, let me know if this has been true in your age range as well. But I think that in our 20s, we look outward for our next steps in life. We look to other people, we look to whether it's our parents, role models, how people have done it before us, how our peers are doing it. We look outward to see like what's expected and what's normal and therefore we base our decisions to do or not do something based on how someone else's life looks. And we worry about the perception of our decisions and our moves that we make. And I made a ton of decisions (laughs) up until I entered like my early 30s based on the perception of what others would think. And I don't regret it. I think it's a rite of passage. I think you learn how you don't want to live by doing those things. But it was only once I truly came into my own at the age of 30, around 30, that I fully stepped in to being the woman that I am today. And I fully, wholeheartedly owned who I am, inside and out, through and through. Not the watered down version of me, not the version that anyone expected me to be, but truly, truly me. And 
you know, dare I even say this, but it came a point like when you turn 30, you almost have this like reckless abandonment of thinking like, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit anymore what anyone thinks. This is my life and I am the only one that walks in my shoes every single day. So all in all, you know, from early 20s to I'm in my mid-30s now, I have had these reoccurring seasons. I'm going to call them seasons, plural, of depressions. And, you know, I, I know I've said this, but what's so hard is that regardless, if you're on the meds, you've done all the things, knowing that you're never fully quote unquote cured, you can get to a very good place with it. But when it rears its head, you question everything. You question what is wrong with me. Why can't I get it together? And I was trying to compare this, and I think it would be almost like a relapse to an addict when you go through that. It's just like, damn, you feel like you have to start at square one again. But when you expect these things, each time it gets better with riding the wave. So I want to share with you a few things that, you know, now here at 35 years old, how I have gotten to the point where I am so bold in sharing and talking about mental health issues and my depression. Because I think it's important for you to know as we're getting this podcast off the ground where I'm coming from. And so, one, I already told you that when you come into your own, when you completely say, like, this is me, I am me, no one else on this planet is me, I am me, and that is my superpower, whether it is with the depression, anxiety, whatever it is, that is part of who you are. And when you can own that unapologetically, 110% energy of here I am and this is me, you take all of me, this is what I bring to the table, this is who I am. And you get to a point where I honestly do not care what anyone thinks of me. And that is the best feeling in the world. And the other thing is, and if I could have a mantra 
for my life, it would be that I believe that you have got to stop waiting. You have got to stop waiting for life to happen to you. You have got to stop waiting. Whether it is you are waiting for the right man or the right person, the right partner in your life. You're waiting for the better job. You're waiting to have more whatever you want, more money, more followers on your social media. You're waiting till your kids are grown. You're waiting till you have kids. You're waiting. You are waiting on your circumstances to change. If you keep waiting, you are going to be waiting for the rest of your life. And so you must, you must start creating the life that you want. That is ultimately your responsibility. Another thing about me is that And sometimes this can absolutely be to a fault. Is I am hopelessly optimistic. And to some people, they would define my hopeless optimism as my own personal manifestation. If you believe in manifesting. I truly believe that anything that I have given up or walked away from or I've encountered or I've had to struggle through or I've had to deal with or I've had to confront, if I have lost something, if I've you know lost a relationship or walked away from a business, I believe that whatever it is that's been put in my path is going to turn out better than I could have imagined. And that is where this podcast comes in. Because I feel truly in the depths of my soul called to this work. I believe that having depression. It's horrible. It is awful. I would not wish the, let's call it a disease, the disease of depression upon anyone. But I also feel that because I have depression, that I also am incredibly empathetic and I am incredibly compassionate and my heart for people and their circumstances and situations is so much greater because I have dealt with 
the depths of depression. And so I do this podcast because depression is often a label that we can stick on ourselves. And it's something that we we have to live with forever. However, I feel called to use it in some way for good. I feel equipped and ready and bold enough and strong enough to use my voice and my platform in this podcast to talk about it, to bring to light issues no one wants to talk about and normalize it. Because every time someone's mental illness and their depression ends in tragedy over and over and over again in this world, we sit around in just shock. Oh my God, I can't believe it. They seem so happy. They seem so great. They had everything. You see it in Hollywood with celebrities. And that's what gets put up on the news. That's what the media shows us. But it's happening at your job with your coworkers. It's happening in your school with your peers. It's happening in your companies that you work in. It's happening in your neighborhoods. People need help with their mental health. They need an outlet. They need a voice. They need an advocate. They need someone to help and to guide them. And that's where I believe I come in. And that's what I believe that this podcast is for. The name Flip the Script truly means to flip the script, flip the narrative, flip the conversation around on mental health issues. We must. We must. So, there you have it. How I have ended up with a mental health podcast. How I am using my battle with depression for good. How I am choosing to use my voice. I thank you for being here. I hope this episode has landed for you. And I will see you here in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Flip the Script, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jana Cohn. If you'd like to talk with me one-on-one, I have private sessions available now to book in the show notes. And please, if this episode spoke to you in any way and you want to join me in flipping the script on mental health issues, the best thing you can do is leave a review on whatever platform you're listening from or take a screenshot of this episode, tag me and share to your social media. I'd also love to connect with you in the DMs on Instagram at Jana.Cone. 
In the show notes, you can subscribe to my email list and never miss an episode. I'll see you here next time on Flip the Script.